Guess I was stressed for the time being. Wake up, little nigga, it's grind season. But that's fine. We can deal with that. And that we recording. We recording on the on the mics. Randy, we recording on the mics. All right, all right, we here, we here. Okay, we here. Grand season TV, man. I'm here with a legend today. This is probably the biggest interview I've done so far. And when I say a legend, this shit is an understatement, man. I literally grew up to this man's music. So, what well, the music that he was put, he played a major part of. So today we got uh, Arsenal in the building from the Heat Makers, man. How you doing, my brother? I'm I'm doing great, man. How you how you doing today, Ars, man? I'm good, man. I, I appreciate you for taking the time to do this during this pandemic, having us in this illustrious studio, and we walked into some le legendary acts in here just it's, on the walk in, man. It was a good day. And it's, and it's, it's just Monday. Yeah, it, was, it was a good Monday. It's a good Monday. I mean, so, Joel Ortiz. Yeah. Michael K. Williams. Yeah, it was some, you know, Michael K. To me, Michael K. Williams is a big deal. Joel, too, but you know, Joel's my homeboy, so... Yeah. But, you know, Michael K, man, like I said. And if you don't know. Legendary actor. If y'all don't know who that is, that's Omar, man. Omar's coming. Yeah, or if you watch Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> yep, Boardwalk Empire, you know all of that man? stuff. So, I mean, he's been in some stuff. He even in 2K right now, matter of fact. Uh -huh. I was just playing that. He was, uh, they had the new 2K. It was a dude. His father had, like, the storyline was his father passed away. Oh, and his voice is in there? His, his face is in there. Oh, him fire. as the actor. He's in 2K. So, shout out to him, man. That's fine. Um, I wanted to take it back, though, to the beginning. Coming from Jamaica, growing up in the Bronx, that Jamaica roots. We want to just talk about that a little research, bit. Huh? I, I got to man, come on. Right. What you want to know? Hey, well, so I seen in a prior interview we done. I think we was talking. We was talking about you making. Um, I can't remember exactly what beat it was, but it was coming up with the Dipset anthem. anthem. Mm -hmm. And you were saying that you didn't grow up. You grew up in a in a reggae Caribbean also yeah. a lot of reggae. Mm -hmm. So where was your? How did your introduction to hip hop come about? Um, funny enough, because this dude is my homeboy now, the first hip-hop record that I ever got to know was Ice-T's Cop Killer. <laughs> and I know that's bugged out because it's like of all the records, it wasn't Wu-Tang, it wasn't Tribe Called Quest, it wasn't, it wasn't like KRS-One, yeah. this shit was Ice-T Cop Killer. And I never told him that, I actually got to tell him that one day. The next time I see him, I got to let him know that that was the, that was my introduction to hip-hop music. That's what's up. And people used to look at me like, how the fuck do you know the words to that? Because, you know, Ice, Ice is from the West Coast. Coast, yeah, I, yeah, I'm in the Bronx, but for some reason, yeah, that This is the record, 80s, right? No, no, no. Like, 90s, like, early 90s? Early 90s, yeah. That was, like, my sophomore, I want to say my sophomore year in high school or freshman year in high school, something like that. Mm. But, yeah, it was early. It was early, but from that, it, it transitioned into me DJing, and then from DJing, it was like, I saw the effect that music had on a on a crowd so it was like i wanted to get more personal and actually make the music you know what i'm saying and my partner at the time thriller he had bought an mpc and he went out of town he let me hold it and i made a couple bullshit beats on there but i fell in love with it and then shortly after i met a dude by the name of todd terry mm -hmm. and he ended i got up, that in my notes too <laughs> right, i met a dude by the name of todd terry he ended up buying me like you know like thirty thousand dollars worth of equipment and i was off to the races so that's that's incredible like divine intervention man like god stepped in and said you're supposed to be doing this so d so before this was a dj mm -hmm. i have two part question was djing was being a dj uh make making producing easier for you or like yeah way a, easier a lot easier for you because you understand tempos like, because yeah. when you DJ, you got to blend records. You know what I'm saying? You got to understand the crowd and right, stuff. You got to understand tempos. You kind of got to un understand how to count bars to lead into other records. Mm -hmm. So when I started making beats, I understood bars. I understood 
the placement of kicks and snares and you know what I mean. When I first started, I was a little. I was, most of my drum programming sounded like reggae drum programming. That's yeah, what I was yeah. accustomed to. But then over time, I figured out how to blend the two. So you hear shit like Dipset Anthem, you hear Shatas, you hear um, shit. I forgot the name of this record. Um, shit like more gangster music. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Another record called Gangster with Vado, Movado, and 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 Ace Hood. You know what I mean? Yeah, like. Yeah. We a bumped lot. that shit in college. Shout out to my, I got my guys with me. We bumped that shit in college a lot. Right, so heavy, heavy <laughs> reggae influence stuff, man. That just comes from, that was all I was in my crib growing that's, up. That's dope. So you answered that part of the question. So definitely make it easier. And a, a lot of you young guys that want to become producers, take notes. You might want to get into but DJ. I mean, everybody got their own role. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some, some producers never DJ before in their life. Yeah. Some producers just played the keys in church. Some other ones played the drums. Other dudes just got tired of getting beats from other dudes, so they made, made started their making their own, you know what I mean? So everybody got their own path to get to that point. For me, it was DJ. I never thought about being a producer when I was DJing. Yeah. I just loved DJing, but then production was like the was natural progression after that for me, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree with that. It's just crazy. Let's watch a lot of you legendary producers have a back like Irv. I think Timbaland himself as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Swiss got backgrounds in DJing, which yeah, is which Jermaine is incredible. Dupree, I think. Jermaine Dupree as well. Yeah. Um, at what age did you start DJing? Just so we just um, gonna cover in the beginning. Late sixteen, so mid sixteen. Yeah. I started DJing, but it wasn't nothing like I could say I was nice. You know what I mean? I yeah. I used to buy a bunch of um shit. This is, this is making me feel old as fuck. But I used to buy a bunch of like. VHS fucking um, <laughs> tapes. I know so. VHS, but it was like DJ competition, DJ battles. Yeah. The DMC DJ battles, and they was doing tricks and shit. So I used to try to do tricks. I wasn't into like doing parties and shit at first. I just wanted to learn how to scratch, how to do shit behind my back, and you know what I mean. Yeah. And when I started getting decent with that, I'm like, it's bigger than this. Like, it's, I can do parties and make people do certain things. You know, when you control a party, it's a, it's a whole different feeling. You know what right. I'm saying? It's almost like producing a big record. Because you're controlling a listener at that point, which is a which is a dope feeling. You know what I'm saying? If you're into music like that, yeah, that, that's that's crazy. Um, doing a little bit of research, you went to Howard University. You ever de- how was DJing parties there and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, that's where I really fell in love with it. I was my first boss that I worked for as a DJ was Manute Bowl. You know what Manute Bowl is? Yeah. NBA player, seven foot. What was he <laughs> seven foot six? Six something like that was tall as shit. Was this the nigga, tallest? I'd be in the DJ booth. This nigga's looking me in the eyes. That's how tall this nigga was. Like, the <laughs> DJ booth, I would have to step up like three or four steps to get in the DJ booth. This nigga would come over to talk to me and be looking me dead in my face. That's After crazy. I just walked up three steps to get to the DJ booth. You know what I'm saying? But cool dude. You know what I'm saying? Rest in peace to him. Yeah, yeah. But, His um, son is in the league now. Yeah, Shout out to Bo Bo. Yeah, which is... But he, he owned a bar in D.C. It was like a little bar he owned, and I used to DJ at the bar. Yeah. But that's where I started doing my first, like, big parties and shit like that. That's what's up. That's what's up. So come, coming a little bit forward in the speed, your first beat... Uh, Canvas? Uh, Cannabis, two thousand. Two thousand BC. Yeah. Um, how how did how did that happen? How did that how did that moment come into place? And this is when um, you and Thriller were still doing working together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is um, that record came about because originally that beat was supposed to be for Fat Joe and Pun for a Terror Squad album, mm. but at the time it was the first beat we ever played, so we didn't know how it worked. We played the beats for Joe, and Joe said he fucked with it. And then we played it for Cannabis. He said he fucked with it. And at the time, we had somebody acting as our manager. And he was like, yo, whoever 
is willing to pay for it first. Just let them, you know what I mean? And then Universal cut the check first, and we went with cannabis, and, you know, the rest is what it is. But me and, me and Joe have done multiple records after that. We never even really talk about that, to be honest with you, because Joe was the first one that really gave me, like, an introduction into the music game. Like, when I met him, he kind of broke down to me how much producers get paid, how much they could get paid if they have a hit and shit like that, and it changed my whole perspective on how I viewed the music industry. So I definitely got to... I got to give Fat Joe credit on that because he, without him, I I wouldn't have understood how lucrative this shit is. That's a fact. Going from when Todd Terry gave you what a thousand for each beat, and then now right to now, you know what I mean? To to getting to getting ten, fifteen, twenty five thousand for a beat. You understand? Like it's it grew, and I didn't understand how much it could grow. So the foreman, and this is early two thousand when the cannabis beat was done. It's your first, it's your first placement, right? Major wise. Um, how was your phone ringing? Like, what what was the reception from the people or the industry once once that first placement was done? Would it become easier? Was it harder? Nothing. It was the same. People didn't give a shit. I'm just being real with you. Nobody. What I realized being in the game is that as a producer, unless you have the main track on an album and you only did one, it benefits you. Yes. It, and don't get me wrong. It benefits you to be a part of the album because. You get paid if the album sells. Yes. What I'm saying is to make an impact as a producer, it's about numbers. Meaning, if I'm going to work with an artist, I want to get five on his album, not one. Because if I get five and the album's great, now people are saying, yo, I like this, I like that, I like this, I like that. And if you like seven, three out of those are mine, that's fire to me. You understand? Yeah. So I look at, I've always looked at it like that because... In order to keep my name alive, it's about quantity at this point. Yeah. Like, that's why you hear a project like El Capo, El Capo Deluxe. I got a project coming out with Currency. I got, matter of fact, I got a project coming out on St. Patrick's Day with OT The Real, where I produced the whole thing. You understand? Like, so I just look at quantity now because that's what's going to make the people say, I fuck with him as a producer. You understand? Because yeah. now you can hear a body of work from me and not just one record on one album. And I think it also you also get the most out of an artist when you're able to create that whole project course, with them. Of course. And at the end of the day, it's like, my whole shit is about creating a vibe. You know what I mean? Like, music can sonically sound good, but that is what it is. That's, that's not what makes you rewind it. It's a feel that makes you rewind it. If a, if a song makes you feel a certain way, you bring it back ten times. If you riding with your niggas in a car and a song comes on and all of y'all niggas like, you play that shit 20 times from here to there. You understand? Because it's that feeling that you need to get to your next destination. No, that's that's an absolute fact. So that's what I try to create when I make music is like, I try to give niggas, women, that feeling when you listen to shit, you like, nah, this nigga bugged out. This shit put me in a certain frame of mind. You understand? And if you don't do that, then what are you really making? Exactly. You're making noise, nigga. You're just making a bunch of noise if you ain't doing that. So in two thousand, cannabis it did some. It, 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 it helped. It, it didn't do. It didn't do shit for you. It didn't do shit. No disrespect to cannabis. Yeah, shout out to cannabis. We all, all you, yeah, them. all Universal Records. But I'm just being honest. Some producers lie, but like I should change my life. But it didn't do shit for me. Well, you know what I mean? Which was the record that that was the one that kind of changed? When we did Eleven on Diplomatic Community, that's mm. that shook the world up. You understand? Like that. Sh- when I say the world, I mean my world. The Bronx no, and, and the listen, other five listen, and the other four boroughs around. I tell you it, right now. I tell you right now. I'm 27. All my brothers said we 27, we 94 babies. That changed our life. Right there. And I'm going to tell you to your face and give you your roses. That changed, that shape. The reason I dress how I dress right now is because of that sound, that music, that feel you're talking about. 
I, I would drove down here. I'm about to drive to Florida. I was driving to Florida when I hear Who Am I? When I hear uh, Killer Cam, it just I remember that moment when I first heard it. Yeah. So, I appreciate that a million percent because at the end of the day, y'all didn't have to listen. You know what I mean? But I feel like when you create something so powerful, you force people to listen. Whether they want to listen or not, they have to fuck with it because they never heard nothing like that before or they never felt nothing like that before. You know what I'm saying? So I still try to do that. With El Capo, I try to do that. You know what I'm saying? With any projects I'm doing, that's that's what I'm going for. I want niggas to listen and be like, yo, this nigga was bugging the fuck out when he made this. I agree. You know what I, I mean? I agree. And I do want to stick, stick in, in chronological order, but El Capo, phenomenal project. Even the Deluxe is phenomenal project. Appreciate it. Um, Grammys came around. Shout out to Nas. Nas won King's Disease. Well but deserved. Well deserved. Shout out to everybody that was nominated as well. But to, like for a Jimmy with El Capo, a little baby to should not be nominated. Been nomin- well, well, the year that we came out, because this year we wouldn't have been eligible for, you know, yeah. we put it out in 2019. But in 2019, it should have been nominated. Yeah. I'm just, and I'm not saying that from a biased standpoint because I've never said that about any other pieces of work I worked on. That album Start to deserved to be Grammy nominated. If we talking about strong albums, powerful albums, albums where you don't got to skip shit, that album should should have been nominated. But again, that's just, you know, might not mean shit coming from me because I produced every record on it. So <laughs> it's sound biased, but it's, it's really not. It's sound biased, but I also think this is, not only is it the, the beats phenomenal, the samples, everything just flows in order. And this is, I think that was probably Jim's best body of work. I think so, that, too. That he's done. Not just because you produced it, no, not because you were just so saying I think so, too, because honestly, like I said, I don't speak about my work. I've done a lot of work. You know what I'm saying? You never hear me talk about one specific project. El Capo is a special project. You know what I mean? And the whole making of it, I was telling Jim along the way, like, yo, we got something crazy. Trust me. He'd be like, all right, cool. Just send me some beats. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I think he know. To this day, I'm sure he know, because people got to still hit him like, yo, this shit is... I still listen to that shit every day. Like I appreciate every it, single day, the the New York City shit with him and uh him, with him and Fat Joe alone. I probably I think that I did a Spotify on my Apple Music like Jinx of the Year. That shit was in my top three songs. Like playing Fine. that shit so many times, Fine. it just it just bring me to that moment. Um, diplomatic community. Who was your f- that moment? Who was the easiest to work with out of Dipset? Because we know they all got their own personality. At that time, it wasn't it wasn't who was easiest or hardest to work with. It was just I brought music through. Niggas jumped on the record. To if Jim and Cam jumped on, it was Jim and Cam. If if Jim Cam and Joel's jumped on, it was you understand. It wasn't like so it was just Joel's. Yeah, just Cam I wasn't was I wasn't picky. It was kind of like oh, yo, Jim Jim want to get on that record. I right, cool. Cam want to get on that record. Cool. Joel's all three of them. That's even better. You understand? Like I was just happy to be working at that time. Yeah. To, to put it into perspective for you, I wasn't. I wasn't one of those dudes that was like, yo, I need this and I need that and make sure in my studio sessions I got this. I was just happy to be there. You know what I mean? Because yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, I didn't know it at the time, but I was I was living a lot of people's dreams as far as like getting paid to produce on a major album that went platinum and I did 11 tracks out of, how many tracks was on this? 17, 16? Yeah, 17. Right. So it was like, I was living a dream at the time and I didn't, I didn't really understand it because I was a workaholic, so the whole yeah. time people are praising the work that I was doing, I was trying to make new shit. Yeah. So it's a classic moment. It's just crazy. You just live when you living in the moment. Yeah, you really don't. You know, you know how some people say to um, like live in the moment. I yeah. didn't live in the moment at the time. I was worried about tomorrow. You know what I mean? I was worried about how the fuck am I gonna keep this going? 
Because you remember how I felt in 2000 with the cannabis joint. It was like, all right, buddy. But then, honestly, I wasn't ready then. You know what I mean? Like, Because even when I went to that session, I was telling my homeboy the story the other day. Even when I went to that session, the engineer was like, um, back then you had to, in order to track out a beat, you had to hook it up simply. Like, there was a thing behind this machine. It was called simply. This wire you plugged in, and it had eight cords going from it. And, you know, like, it would track out the shit per track. Yeah. So I walk in there, the engineer's like, yo, hook up your machine, Simpty, let's track this shit out. And I'm like, the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> and he's looking at me like, yo, how you a producer? You don't know how to do this. And he was talking to me crazy. And I'm like, how the fuck is he talking to me crazy like this? But at the end of the day, I didn't know. So I took accountability and I'm like, I'm never going to feel like that again. And I just learned everything. You know what I mean? I learned how to hook shit up. I learned how to use Pro Tools, mix, master, everything. You know what I mean? That was my thing. Like, if I didn't know how to, if I don't know how to do that or do whatever, I'm going to learn now because nobody's ever going to be able to tell me like, yo, how you don't know how to do this? Yeah, and this is your mo- field. That embarrassing moment. Yeah, I wasn't, like, I wasn't ready then. You know what I mean? It happened early for me, which is a blessing, but I, I wasn't ready the first time around. And then when we come back around this time, we get to this, it was just go time. No pun intended. I'm ready. <laughs> a million percent. All right, that night. Shit. There's <laughs> a lot of soul in right now. I need, um, let me go to my notes right quick. So we know we know you worked with many artists. Mm-hmm. You, uh, rumor went around. I don't know how true it is. You were supposed to have something on the Yeezus project with Ye. Yeah. How What, what ended up happening with that? Because I know Ye been around y- you for a while. I mean, it's just to be probably since Yeah, we kind of... I don't want to say we came up together, but we'd be in the same studio sessions yeah, playing yeah, yeah. beats for Rockefeller artists. And so, yeah, you know, I've, I've been around Ye before. We're not like friends. I don't yeah, yeah, like no, no, call no, each no. other. We're not friends, but we're not enemies either. You know what I'm saying? So for the Yeezus project, um, I believe at the time they had Khaled executive producer and Khaled reached out to me for some music for Ye. I gave him some music. They picked something. And um, to my understanding, because I I've gotten credit on bound they took the record i gave them took it apart and there's a bunch of producers on that record but pieces of what i did is in there okay you know what i'm saying yeah. but i don't i don't take credit for shit like that because i don't speak about it because i didn't that's not the record i gave them so i don't yeah. you know what i mean i don't know what I'm, pieces he took and put where but it is what it is just accept the credit as it is, and yeah, it is honestly i don't even accept, accept the credit because as you can see there's no plaque up here and that shit went what, three, four times platinum? Absolutely, yeah. So if I took credit, it'd be a big-ass plaque, plaque in here. I don't really want that type of shit. Every plaque you see up there, I put hard work into. And those are the records I made. You know what I mean? It's you not anybody else. Yeah, check them out, man. We got Wayne Carter 2, El Capo, Joel Santana with the game missing, Diplomatic Immunity, Come Home With Me, Cameron, Purple Haze. Haze. Little Flip. Little Flip. And that's Fred the Godson. Fred the Godson. Shout out to Fred, man. R.I.P. to the great one. Um, so, I was going to ask you about how did you get with your relationship with Dipset, but we could talk about Fred first. Your relationship with Fred, how y'all meet, um, and all, of the, and actually still working on some of his post-humorous work. Yeah, I actually met Fred, funny enough, outside of, he was auditioning for um, 106 in Park back in the day. And I pulled up, and I remember some people I knew had got around my car, and they was like, yo, you got to hear this kid. You got to hear this kid. I remember Fred came around. He had on like a, a, a football jersey. And I put on a beat in the car. And he just started going crazy on that shit. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? Because the shit he was saying, this is like 2000 and 
This is like 2003. So with AJ Freeze on 106 right, Park. It's like 2003, something like that. And I remember the shit he was saying was like next level shit. I'm like, how the fuck? What is he? What? Like, who is this nigga? So me and him became cool. I ended up doing a few records with him, but then we lost contact for like, I want to say three years, three, four years, something like that. But we yeah. would see each other on occasion. And then I ran into him again. And I, at the time, I started plugging them with different DJs to get on their shows to like to do interviews and rap. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I remember he went on Enough shit. He went on K Slay shit. He went on a few people, and then he started heating up. And then the Monique's record came out of nowhere, Monique's Room. And then, mm-hmm. his, you know, he got his name up. And, and the rest is just where we at now, really. You know what I mean? The rest is his history, as they say. Yeah. Like, the last project I got with him is insane. But we did all that in four days before the last time I seen him. So if if quarantine went into effect probably, what, last year, March 15th, around that time, yeah. we did seven records from, like, the beginning of March till March 15th. So we did, like, a record every other day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we So anytime we seen each other, we would do a record. That's dope. So we have, I got about seven records for him. I'm just getting the features together. That's dope. And we can expect that. You're going to let us know we can expect that. April 23rd. April 23rd? Yeah, that's the day he passed. I'm trying mm. to get it on the day that R. he passed. R.I.P. Fred the Godson, man. Mm. Um, um, and now your relationship with Dipset, how did that even come together to even be working with them? Uh, there was a dude by the name of Renee McLean. He used to, I think he was managing Cam at the time, but he also used to get records placed on the radio for like um, up and coming artists. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you paid him, he got some records placed on the radio. So we went to go see him because we had these dudes we were working with out of North Carolina. And he was like, yo, what do y'all do? I said, yo, we produce. It was me and my two homeboys. And um, he was like, yo, y'all got music on you? And I always walked with a CD on me at the time. So I had a CD of like 20 beats and I gave it to him. Taking it back now because everybody got a hard drive. Yeah, everybody, everybody got flat <laughs> drive now, so, yeah. Yeah. so I had to give him the CD. I remember me and my people was in North Carolina like a week later. And Cam calls my homeboy's phone. And was like, yo, it's Cam, da, da, da. I picked a few beats off that CD. I need y'all to come to the studio. We went back to New York, went to the studio, and he was just playing us all the shit that he recorded. Like, I'm ready. Um, what else is on that CD recorded? Uh, um, I'm ready. I think Santana did. Santana the Great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, more Than Music. More Than Music and Dipset Anthem was the last two beats that I made okay. and gave to them. But before, everything else besides that, they picked off the CD. You know what I'm saying? So... Off rip, they picked nine, and we did an extra two. So we was the relationship was built from there. To be honest with you, after that, it was off to the races. You know what I'm saying? Actually, I'm lying. It really got built before a little bit before that. But Cam didn't know. Another dude was trying to take credit for the tracks that we did on um, "Come Home with Me" because we did "Come Home with Me" and "Boy Boy." So somebody was trying to take credit for that. And when we got with Dipset, Cam realized like, oh, these are the dudes that made that. I could tell by the sound. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> it played out how it's supposed to play yeah, out. It is what it is. Um, creative process wise, um, what's your creative process? How do you go into creating creating your your beats and stuff like that? If you could put it in the words, um, like that. I think I just gotta feel like making music. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't. I'm not one of those dudes that I'm not like a robot where I just work. Like somebody's yeah. like, "Yo, go work." For me, I could come into the studio at 1 p.m. I could sit around till five, looking at shit on YouTube, doing whatever bullshit with people around me, and then when five hits, I feel inspired and I want to work. And I'll, I, when I say I start working, it's more like 
once I turn the machine on, I can't even tell you what happens after that. That shit is like, it's like I go into autopilot. You know what I mean? I've been doing this shit so long, it's like I really go into autopilot. I don't think about what I'm doing. I just do it. And then at the end, I step back and listen to it like, oh, that shit sound kind of crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know people might go, this nigga's bullshit. It's, it's like a zone or a flow yeah, that like, you're going to. I don't, I don't think about it anymore. It's like, you asking Steph Curry, how does he hit those threes? He don't know the shit. He's on autopilot. Now, he just been doing it so long that the shit is automatic. Yeah. That's how I feel. It's like, my process really, okay, I get shit that I like. I put it into the machine. I take all the pieces I like, and then I try to find a way that they work together and make sense and sounds fired, and I just add drums and arrange, and that's the straightforward answer. But honestly, it's just like I just turn the machine on and let what happens happens. Yeah, it's kind of, you just, like you said, it's just that flow you get into, and then Like, there's been days my homeboys are here, and we're having a conversation. They go grab something from McDonald's, they come back, and I got a, a beat finished, and they like, what the fuck? Because I just, at that time, I got into a zone and I felt like doing it. And I don't realize that it's happening in 15 minutes. For me, it feels like it's probably taking an hour and a half. And they just come back from the store like, yeah, I just yeah, went to you just me. lost a track of time. It's just because right. it's that time to go. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I feel like I've been doing it so long now that the shit that I feel like is taking me a half an hour is really taking me five minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. in my head, I feel like I'm doing a lot. But I'm doing it so fast, I guess, that when I look at the time, it's like, oh, shit, I thought it was longer than that. But it's not, you know what I mean? But yeah. I've been doing it for 20 years, and if it wasn't like that, then something's wrong with me. Absolutely. Should, anything you're doing for 20 years should be like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a skill at this point. That, yeah, you know, it's, it's like breathing. Muscle, yeah. You don't got to tell yourself to breathe. You just breathe. Absolutely. Um. So, of the artists you worked so many, and I'm keep going through this, I'm looking like how many artists you worked with. Who is, uh, how, who is your favorite artist to work with, and why is that your favorite artist to work with? Um... Well, the natural or answer, the easiest one. Yeah, the natural about. answer would be Fred because me and Fred was around each other damn near five days a week for like the last eleven years. Mm. You know what I mean? So we understood each other musically better than a lot of artists I work with because he heard eighty percent of the beats I made, and I probably heard eighty percent of the rhymes he wrote. <laughs> so we under you understand like so the natural answer would be Fred just because of out of being familiar with each other. Absolutely, and he was also at the the uh, renaming of the street that he that yeah, they had for Fred yeah, and all of that, and it was a lot of love there. I seen you yeah. was there, Jim was there, Joe was there. Yeah, uh, I'm my, up in thirty. Sway was there. Sway was there. Shout out to the underground. Thirty eight special was there. Uh, yeah, thirty eight special. Yeah, there. I'm up, I'm up top in Rochester now. Yeah, so OT, I'm OT the real was yeah, there. Shout out to all of them, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Shout out, man. We missed Joel you, was there. Joel was there. Shout yeah, Joel came with me. Well, yeah. I met Joel there. Joel was Shout there. Shout to Joel. He was just here just a minute ago. Yeah. Shout out to him. Um, that that's that was crazy. Just seeing that. Just seeing all the love that he was getting. I don't and, think people understand how special that is. That's bigger than a Grammy. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying to you? Like a lot of people got a Grammy that's in this music industry. How many people got streets named after them? And a street that they grew up on. And that's going to be there forever. So look look how ill it is. A kid's going to grow up and say, oh, I grew up on Fred the Godson Ave. I grew up on Godson Ave. You know how crazy that is? That's crazy to me. His, fa- his kids, his kids, kids could come down there and like, listen, look, it's where your grandfather grew up. This is, this is a street name. Like, a bunch of people could show me Grammys. You can't show me street signs. That's official. That the government signed off on. Facts. That's legal. You understand? Like, the people actually love it too. A, he didn't get a boulevard. He didn't get a place. He got an avenue. That's a big deal. Niggas give you a little boulevard, a little place, a little... Nah. My homeboy got 
Fred the Godson Avenue in the Bronx where hip hop was created. You know how big that is? Absolutely. That's insane. One of the biggest things ever. So I got a couple questions from the fans. They was one of them was asking, "Would you be be willing to collaborate with other up and coming talent that do production as well, create beats?" No. <laughs> Pretty okay. simple. The reason why I feel like production collaboration defeats the purpose. Because, again, like I told you, I make music off of feeling, right? So if Absolutely. you're having the best day of your life, I'm having the worst day of my life, what type of music are we going to make together? It's just going to clash. Do you know how the stars got to align for us to work perfectly together as new producers in the same session on the same day? Yeah. We're never going to be in, in tune as far as, like, how I'm feeling, how you're feeling. You understand? Like, and I don't want to be caught in the middle of that trying to create, so I'd rather not do that. I, I appreciate everybody for what they, what he or she does but I would rather you do do your own thing and let me appreciate that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to hear Timbaland collaborate with fucking, with, with, with fucking uh, Griselda's producer. You know what I mean? Derringer. Like, Shout to Derringer. <laughs> like da- yeah, right. You understand? Derringer. Like, I like what Derringer does. I like what Timbaland does. But the two together would, wouldn't make sense to me. Yeah. You understand? Like, certain things are just best left alone. It's like even some rapping and production collaborations. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to hear Pharrell with M.O.P. Yeah, facts. You understand? Like, I don't want to hear Pharrell with Wu-Tang. Not saying that he couldn't make something for Wu-Tang, but I feel like it would be too polished for Wu-Tang. You understand? Like, so it's just certain things. I just, I admire people's lanes that they're in and I stay in. I I, I keep them in that lane. The minute shit starts to bleed into other lanes, it becomes, it becomes funky out here, man. Yeah, so a weird, sticky situation. Um... I got another question. Nickel Fields. I don't know if you, you say he doesn't know if you remember him, but Nickel Fields, shout out to Nickel Fields from Rochester. He said, when are you going to send him another beat? Nickel Fields? Yeah. I got to see his picture, man. Let me I'm, see I'm if I can. people, man. Let me see if I can pull Nickel Fields. I sent him a beat before? Yeah. Did I? That's what he said. He said, when are you going to send him another beat? Did he pay for the beat? I have no idea. Let me see. Because there's no way it was in anywhere in the near, like. Nickel Fields. This is him right here? Yeah, the white dude. <laughs> he said, what am I going to send him another beat? <laughs> yeah. I've never sent this dude a beat before in my life. <laughs> I don't even know who this is. Oh, man. He got he to gotta come with some dates or something, like yeah. years. I got, we got to figure that one out, man. I, I, I might have to highlight him on that one. Or maybe he just said that to strike up a conversation or something. Possibly. We don't, I don't know. It's fan questions. <laughs> if I do know him, I apologize, but I, he don't, the, the face don't really... That's striking a result. Yeah, it don't ring a bell. Uh, don't. Um, and then the last one is from, uh, 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 I can't remember who it's from. They were saying, what what what, what uh, up-and-coming artists have to do or new artists have to do to be able to book, get a session with you and try to create? Well, we could do that. We just got to, it just got to make sense as far as like everything. You got to be dedicated to your craft. The Absolutely. business side of it got to make sense for me because... Let's just speak like just common sense, right? Like anywhere you go to buy something, you're, it has to be something of equal value. If I go to buy a hamburger, they want $3. I got to have $3 to give them. It's, it's, a, it's an exchange, you yeah. understand? So if I'm working with a new artist, I can't be the only one bringing something to the table. Absolutely. Bringing notoriety to the table, bringing production to the table, bringing something to the table that, like, what are you offering? Do you have a fan base? Because to me, if you have a fan base, that cuts the price down for me because now I can make money on the back end. 
You understand? If you don't have a fan base, how can you promise me money on the back end when you don't have anybody streaming or buying your music? Exactly. You know what I mean? And if I do a project with you, the only people that will stream and buy will be my fans. So that's not a fair trade-off. For all of that, I could put out an instrumental CD or instrumental project. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And make more. Because now there's no rapping on it. You know how many people have been asking me for that shit? So yeah. it has to make... Like, I'm doing a project with OT The Real. That makes sense. He has a following. People fuck with him. Mm-hmm. And people fuck with me. So the two together should do decent. You understand? Like, But I'm never going to do a project with somebody unless the business side of it makes sense for me where I'm going to take the time and effort to put together 10 to 15 songs for somebody. It has to make sense on the business side, front end or back end side. You understand? Absolutely. Definitely. Um, any artists before we only got like a couple questions before we get out of here any artists that you haven't worked with that you want to work with anything like that yeah a few I think um, Jay Z of course shout the whole um, 50 Cent I've always wanted to do something with 50 Cent um, 50 still rap is 50 gonna keep rapping I don't know man that, he, he getting too much TV money now man I know you got a few songs left at least he get you on a score or something if he can't get man, you on the jump I want 50 on a heat maker record man I feel that'd like be that's, crazy cause 50 is a dope artist to me I don't give a fuck what anybody say 50 nah, is dope you know what I mean um, and Eminem so Jay 50 and Eminem though. you know I've worked I've had other artists on my records before so like like I have a record coming out on Ross's new album so that's that's another one off the bucket list. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I've I've worked with indirectly. I've worked with Jada through like Jim, through yeah, other yeah. artists. But on my bucket list too, I got to get a record in with Jada, Shout a full record. Um, same thing with Fab. I've had Fab on my records with like Jim on, you know, shit like that. But I want I want a direct record with Fab. So a few people, you know what I mean? Like Jay, uh, Jada, Fab, M Fifty. That's simple. Yeah. And you, and you work with the newer guys too. I seen um on the deluxe it had a uh, Conway the Machine. Oh was yeah, on that I, track. that's another thing. I want to get in records with them too, with Benny Conway. Shout out to Griselda. Me and Special actually putting a project together. You yeah. know what I mean? I got which, actually. Which is gonna be fun. That was special too. I did on his last project. I did this joint investment pieces on his um thirty eight. thirty eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I heard that joint. Pieces on it, which is fire. Yeah. Um. Last question we got here. Champ was saying, twenty twenty one. What 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 else is there to come? Where, where you see things going within at least this year so far? I'm just working, man. I like you know what I mean. I've people have always asked me like, what's up with the next five years, ten years? I'm just happy to see tomorrow. To keep it real with you, man. I've seen too many people drop around me to think about five years from now. I'm not right. saying you shouldn't, but I don't. I don't even try to wrap my brain around that far in the future. I just want to be here tomorrow, make some music tomorrow, sell some God, music well, tomorrow, you know what I mean? Facts. That's it. I ain't trying to make plans for, like, my mom used to always say, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he know better than you, so how are you going to tell somebody that know better than you your plans? That's so I don't really, I don't make those type, my plans are for now. I know what the fuck I'm going to do today. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean <laughs> hey, we, you here today, and I don't know if you even plan to be here today. Like, like a, me and Fred had conversations about what we was going to do this year, next year, the year after that. You understand? Yeah. Fred ain't here to fulfill those, but we had those conversations, so it even taught me more of a lesson. Like, today is what's important, living in the moment right now. Like I told you before, so when you, I was doing all that dip session, you wasn't I wasn't living, living in, it exactly. at all. I, like, I was making a shitload of money. I wasn't... I didn't... They take the time to say, like, all right, cool, I'm fortunate. It was just like, go, 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 go. Try to make sure you set up shit for next year, six months. You understand? Like, yeah. 
I ain't with all of that no more. Like, right now is for right now. Absolutely. I'm not saying make stupid moves, but I'm never going to stress tomorrow. That makes... Nah. Definitely can't disagree with that. They got some shit. Some, who told me some ill shit? I put it on the gram. They said, today is the tomorrow you was worried about yesterday. Real talk. Take the time to think about that. It sounds like some crazy shit, shit, but... That's some deep shit. It's the truth. It's like, today is the tomorrow you was worried about yesterday. So yesterday's already gone. And today, you, you're living in the moment that you was worried, worried about, about yesterday. Exactly. That's crazy to me. Like, why do that? Live right now. When tomorrow comes, you deal with it. And enjoy this motherfucker while we can. A million percent. Tomorrow's definitely not promised. Anything can happen to you. Anything. At any moment. So if you good now, be good now. Facts. And on that note, we gonna, we gonna close this interview. Also, I appreciate you, man. It's all love, my brother. You already. Anything you need from me, I'm around. And I'm definitely gonna keep in touch and... Like you said, uh, March, you said St. Patrick's Day, you got something coming? OT The Real. OT The Real coming out, and then April, and then April 23rd, Contraband 3 for The Godson. Godson coming out on one year anniversary of his passing, but we're yeah. going gonna to make sure that it's a beautiful day and not a sad one. So, 100%. Appreciate you. Shout out to my team. We're on season TV. We up out of here.